I am blocking all of you. <laughs> no, I, I feel that about the quote tweets, though. Like, usually I don't care, especially if it's kind of interesting. Like, let's say if it's like someone like Jackson Hinkle, it's like this higher higher tier kind of guy. But if if, yeah. if a mutual of mine gets into like a spat with like some random with like yes. a lot of followers for like threads and threads, it's like, okay, let's wrap I it up I don't give here. a fuck about it. I'm sorry. Like, these are a lot of times happens with people that I otherwise like and respect. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, the quote tweet thing is so unnecessary. Like, obviously, you're just trying to get your followers to go harass this person for being and, wrong online or whatever. And that is fun. Yeah. And I, we all can enjoy that once in a while. That action, that action <laughs> in a vacuum is not a wrong thing to do. To do it but, like, correct. more than once, you know, but like to continually do it, continuously do this for an hour or something is, is, is psychotic. <laughs> well, it's when opinion. you. you the, the the etiquette is this is uh this is emily post dropping in with the quote tweet etiquette um <laughs> the etiquette is that if you quote tweet somebody else they can quote tweet you but if you're like in a thread or being included in multiple quote tweet threads or heaven forbid you are excluded from a quote tweet thread and then one of the <laughs> ghouls in there tags you back in which that is a that's a death penalty crime <laughs> it is that i is. was not a part of this conversation and now i've been tagged back in mm. they're like oh whack will really like this nah motherfucker i have like a job and stuff <laughs> yeah no there there are twitter crimes and stuff like that are amongst them and yeah no elon definitely does not understand twitter and i've been kind of riffing on that like the oh you might like tweets where it's like oh you might like this post talking about how they love hitler and it's like oh would i do you do you really think that based off of my following and like what i post is the algorithm really determining that i would like this like what's going on here yeah what is this pretty horrible yeah, so I think we can. I think we can start uh, getting getting into the the meat of it. Yeah, welcome so, to Western uh, Kabuki, by the way. <laughs> welcome yeah. to Western West, Welcome to Western Kabuki. I'm Wack Nicholson. I'm joined by uh, Bird and Juniper, and and we uh as as you know in Phase Two we have pivoted and we're very excited to uh, announce Phase Three. Let's get the air horns going for. <laughs> DocuCast, the number one document podcast in all of Twitter. Uh, we are talking docs. We are talking what rooms they were left in and when. We are talking about who left those documents, where, and why did they do it. That is all we are talking. We we have blocked out. All three of us have blocked out three hours so each of us could give an hour-long monologue <laughs> on the various troves of documents that will prove our enemies to be shams <laughs> that we've always known they are. Specifically Trump and Biden, because there's yeah. lots of document shit with them. Uh, yeah. I did say uh, right off the bat, I when this first started happening, I was like, oh, I don't give a shit about this. And not because I have any like proclivity or whatever sympathies towards biden but i was just thinking like i don't care because this is boring it was only funny or interesting insofar as trump was concerned because they raided his house like that's funny to me the biden right. thing who gives a shit if they show up with guns and raid biden's house that would be funny or interesting <laughs> but i actually like i thought that no one would really care about this but at work and just in my personal life offline i've had three people ask me what, what i thought about this three separate people jesus like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, I don't give a fuck. Like, what were the documents, I guess, is my only <laughs> question. I don't care. 
Yeah, it, it just feels so transparently obvious to me what has happened with the documents and just the very like idea that we need to keep talking about these documents. Like what what very clearly happened is Donald Trump stole documents from the White House or something. Like uh, the Hamburglar absconding into the night. Very funny. Yes. With like nuclear secrets in hopes of <laughs> trying to sell them. Probably being totally unaware, like a baseball collector in the eighties, thinking this is going to be a lot of worth a lot of money in the future. <laughs> took it to a collector and was like, "What can I get for this?" Yeah, um, and they're like five hundred bucks for all thirty thousand of your cards. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, but uh, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say it's very obvious that Trump wanted to like steal these documents to try to sell them. And he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And Biden accidentally had them. Or maybe this happens all the time. Just like documents that like have different clearances or whatever. Like I have not. I tried to read what the documents were. I tried to read why it was a big deal at all. And it it, 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 it was impossible. It was impossible <laughs> to consider any of it as important. See, that that's where this and the whole... Um... Um, Bo or not Bo fuck um, Hunter Biden um, laptop scandal kind of overlap in my mind where it's like what the hell is it even about like people will be like oh Hunter has this laptop and it's like it's a scandal and he's done these bit things and it's like no one ever says what he's done so I don't really know why I should care about a laptop like believe me I'm, I'm not trying to go to bat for establishment politicians like joe biden or his family i mean his family has long been involved in a lot of like weird crimes there, there's a whole like lot of like real like real stuff that his family's been strangely involved with so yeah. i'm not like just going to bat for him but the these new scandals like the, the laptop and then the documents i just i really can't care i just cannot bring myself because i don't understand really they really fucked themselves over with that because if you can't explain to me like why i should give a fuck about hunter's laptop um you know i don't excluding you know the fact that he's like on there smoking crack and laying pipe and stuff like whatever <laughs> which That's, is awesome yeah it, it ranges from sad to awesome and then i saw some of the texts from like joe to him that was like i'm proud of you i love you whatever just made joe biden look like a good dad um i guess there was some ostensibly something where he was trying to introduce some uh, energy magnet to like uh to biden for a fee they keep saying cuz it was implied uh but that's really it. Uh, I don't know. So really, it's just like nepotism or something. But if you can't explain why somebody should give a fuck about some sort of political scandal in less than 15 seconds, you've lost, right? Nobody and, cares. And, and that's where um, I, I forget who said this originally, or if, I don't know if this is what everyone's kind of been saying, but it it feels like the right wing Mueller investigation where like, at first, it was like, oh, my God, the, the doors have blown off. And it's like, oh, the, the walls are closing in. The walls are closing in on Trump. But then it's just like an endless like charade of like new new information. And like, did you know, ever comes of it, you know, did to, you know that Scott like Scallion that. had a phone call with Davey Diamond <laughs> on October 3rd, in which he claimed to have not known about the documents that were in this on October, <laughs> October 3rd, huh? A likely story. Like, who gives a fuck about it? Like some of the like the, the Mueller report people were just like, I know that the the joke on like left Twitter is like the Lev Parnas thing or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still don't know who that motherfucker is. Uh, no one does. I, That's the great thing. Shit, yeah. shit is Lev Parnas as hell these days. Uh, <laughs> the uh, 
the, the, the various scandals. Meanwhile, things that matter keep happening. And it's like we are like watching these uh, a uh, fucking uh, billion crabs are missing because of climate billion. change. Like my, my, yeah, I had to, uh, I had to stop class when a, when a, it's not a billion, it's 11 billion. Um, because I was teaching and a kid was like, do you know where all the crabs went? And I was like, we cannot do this right now. And he's like, no, I'm serious. There's a bunch of crabs. And he shows me a TikTok and I was like, all right, let's take a look and see what's up with the crabs. And then they're like, you're so easy to distract. I'm like, why'd you bring it up? We're in school. We learn. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do have to say it's awesome that kids are just like, hey, teacher, check out this TikTok. That's oh, yeah. like that's wild. <laughs> that's nothing oh, like yeah. I was in school. <laughs> you better you better believe you better believe those magnetically sealed phone pouches are not being paid attention to very much. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of that, uh, if you are listening to this at all, uh, that is. Uh, that means that our bonus episode with Christian uh, McCartney came out uh, recently. Uh, I'm hoping to put it up right after we're finished with this recording, but um, I am waiting on a theme song to be sent. I do not have it yet. It is. I sent it about 20 minutes ago, so you should have it now. I, nice. Okay. I don't see it, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, so we interviewed uh, Christian McCartney. I would call it more of a conversation. It wasn't really like an interview. Interview. Yeah, we just kind of hung out for what, like forty-five minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. were just uh, hanging out, talking a little bit. He is a Gen Z Christian TikToker who does funny fo- voices and funny faces, and uh, he graced us with his presence, um, which I thought was uh, really swell. Um, and also, you can listen to my appearance on Radio Free Tote Bag, where I give. Um, advice on relationships and tell them about the time a cop almost caught me and my wife having sex so if you want to listen to that uh radio free tote bag at rftv pod i think is what it is i will check that out as soon as (laughs) (laughs) good plug uh yeah gotta get it in there um so as far as things that really matter very deeply in our society um Keemstar went on to Keffel's stream not 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 moments ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys watched part of that, right? I wasn't able to catch any of that. I couldn't sit through it. It was really boring. I watched about uh, ten minutes of it, and they were talking about a bunch of shit I didn't understand, like YouTube drama stuff. And I was, and I, I, I bounced. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So Keemstar is telling this whole story. There was a very funny point where Keemstar is telling this whole story about a YouTube drama, and he's like, "That's the thing is that if you look." at like our interactions we were always in on the jokes together he would make jokes i would make jokes and you know he he's he's i still consider him a great friend and then he's like still talking like he goes on forever and then he's like yeah so when he took his own life and i was like what <laughs> it was etica. very clear oh every- shit is it was he talking about etica yeah etica that was oh, the name fuck. yeah yeah see this is i, the, I had no was a scumbag yeah it was oh you would to be, be fair you... to Keemstar, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. Uh, Etika's girlfriend and family both like released statements saying like what happened really wasn't Keemstar's fault. Uh, how much you want to wait, you want to give that is up to you as an individual. I personally wouldn't choose to have somebody going through manic episodes on my show, um, but is it really his fault that you know Etika? He said that he. He said that he couldn't tell that Etika was going through a mental health crisis at the time. 
And let's, let's keep in mind, this is the same guy who once tweeted that having a few sips of beer is enough to cure depression. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if panic attack. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're having a panic attack, have two to three sips of beer or whatever that awesome tweet was. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. He, I, I don't know if he's, he's a, a, what do you call it? A, um, a heavyweight in, in terms of ment- mental health. Um, but so I don't know how much weight you want to give to that. <laughs> yeah. So they're listening to them, like go into all these dramas and everything. It's like, there's like, it was like very in the sauce of like things. And, and, and poor careful has kept on saying that she didn't, um, know about any of this cause she was not extremely online until 2020, uh, which feels so late in the game to me, but you know, I can't, <laughs> especially but, considering how quick, like how big her audience is, like it happened very yeah. fast for her. Yeah. So yeah, there were a few things. I mean, I texted you guys about it, but I, like when they started talking about detransition, um, how do you, like? What are your thoughts as the trans on the podcast, uh, Juniper, about like <laughs> detransition culture? So here, here's my take about detransition culture, which I personally believe is the ultimate correct take, and that it's. If, if someone detransitions, I think that is wonderful and I think that is totally valid and I think they should be supported um, as long as they don't use their detransition in a, in a way to give credence to like right wing narratives or, or to try to like get in on that like money pit where um, that clearly exists right now for, for like attacking trans people. Because as we've seen on Twitter, I don't know if you guys know who this KC Miller is. Is that the Navy SEAL guy? I don't know. If, I don't know if he's a Navy SEAL, but he's a detransition um, trans guy. You might know him as the bald trans guy, just because a lot of people riff on that part of him. But basically, uh, wait. The- I'm sorry. I don't know how else to ask this. Um, <laughs> yeah, the one that looks like Gollum. Kinda. Yeah. I don't know if that. I don't know. If- <laughs> Who, kind of cr- cried in the car because he was balding and stuff. Yep, yeah, that person. Yep. Um, oh, I'm thinking of someone else. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, that person. Cause they they they're constantly kind of a discourse, at least recently, um, because they're they're the type of detransition um, detransitioning person that kind of gives credence to like the the narratives that people like libs of TikTok and like all these like um, J.K. Rowling, all these people yeah. will tend to talk about. But I know I know a couple of D-trans people that I've um, been following on Twitter and I'm now mutuals with um, when they were transitioning who detransitioned because it just wasn't for them, they realized. And they're great. They're great trans allies still. And I think those people should be supported. Um, people who detransitioned for the right reason, which is it just wasn't for them. Um I, th- I think that's the correct take. So that yeah. that is basically what Keffel said, and, and and it's hard, you know. I, I I try not to overstate the responsibility of media figures, lest it happen to me. But um, <laughs> I I kind of find it difficult to have to think of having like if we had like Keemstar on this show, and from your mouth to God's ears, brother. <laughs> and he started talking about detransitioning that we would all just be like, yeah, it happens and it's good when it does. Like, and that is what ba- Capitals basically said. And I know where she's coming from, but it is sort of a difficult thing when you're talking about like such a small population of people doing such a sort of like individualized personal thing. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm sure there are there like, unique challenges to 
uh, detransitioners that don't exist for any other community. And oh yeah, no, that's yeah. that's <laughs> absolutely the case. Uh, I don't know. I'm not like super close to any detransitioner personally, but I do know um, that it can be quite the struggle, especially for like people who aren't like transphobic out of the experience and are still trans allies. They they might feel sort of like alienated from previous circles just inherently because they might think that people might think they're like transphobic now or like, you know, that sort of thing. They might feel like slightly like, and, and it's probably, probably all in their own head a lot of the time. So I don't want to, you can't really blame them. Yeah. Just like a fear of isolation um, from people that they got to know, just like possibly losing friendships, which thankfully I've seen in a lot of circles I've been in hasn't really been the case um, for detransitioners um, that I know. Because uh, most trans people do support detransition people because uh, unlike right wingers, how they portray the trans community, we aren't like a hive mind. We aren't like right. getting trying to get people in line. Like if someone really needs to detransition, that's really what they think they need to do. I mean, that's that's I think that's fine. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I that mean, they figured that out in a in a very real way. Detransitioners are on a very similar path to those who did transition. It's a sort of like trying to navigate society and your own head in in the, the the process and and that has to be so much harder when certain trans people will see you as an automatic villain as well like people who could be otherwise be your ally yeah and thankfully like i said that doesn't really happen with which, with yeah. um, trans ally detransitioners which let's be yeah. clear that's most detransitioners are trans allies it's 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 not really it seems like a more common phenomenon where it is kind of like the transphobic detransitioner but it's re it's really not it only seems that way because that's how right-wingers want to make it seem <laughs> the yeah. right-wingers as we all know are are genius at starting a narrative and sticking with a narrative as like a collective um it's really shitty too because you know not far be it for me to like police or even critique how somebody who is either trans or detransitioning how they feel about it or what they want to say because that's an experience that's completely foreign to me and i'll never really understand it but i think it's like doubly unfortunate when you know somebody who is well intentioned and, and wants to talk about their experience and it's just going to be co-opted by the libs of tiktok and people like that who are complete fucking assholes who have no regard for their actual well-being or the well-being of that community they just oh yeah some sort of gotcha when uh, you know correct me if i'm wrong i know very little about this just from what i've read online but people who detransition it's a very very small percentage as i understand yeah it's of course with all statistics especially in smaller communities like the trans community it's hard to get an exact figure but the, the last piece of data i saw on the actual real amount of detransitioners was anywhere from one percent to maybe four percent of people who started transitioning so it's very minuscule in the grand scheme of things because of sure. course the trans community is in the grand scheme of things also pretty minuscule um i think a recent study came out where um i think of millennials and gen z three percent identified as binary transgender which i would assume would imply would be they intend to are are transitioning and like three percent were like non-binary which could also include people who transition on hormones but of course um non-binary people don't always do that that's trans issues and trans basically the trans experience is really different for pretty much every single person um it's, it's really hard to kind of talk about 
the trans experience as a like a collective or like a one you really you can't talk about it as a one size fits all it's it's really interesting how diverse experiences can be in the, in this community yeah do you think that do you think that like and I don't want to talk about Keemstar more Keemstar more than we have to, so I'm going to ask you a different question. <laughs> Jelly comes uh, on the pod as a okay. guest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do want to ask, but we can come back to him. Um, but like, I do, do want to come back to him really quick, but okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's um, talk. Yeah, what's your question? <laughs> do you think that like a, a growing... Do you see a change in that facet of the trans community coming with the larger degree of acceptance around it. I mean, obviously there's a lot of bigots and stuff, but <laughs> I mean, you were alive in 2014. And if you remember what it was like talking about trans people back then, it was like a totally foreign concept. Oh um, yeah. No one knew about trans people. I mean, of course people did, but not really in, in yeah. the grand culture. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, do you think that some type of like, universalism around the experience like trying to protect trans people in a similar way trying to give them similar medication trying to sort of universalize that um experience do you think that that is possible and do you think it would be like a positive thing in general do you mean like like politically like do you are you asking if like politicians will try to like positively like regulate some stuff no, I'm not asking politically. I'm asking logistically. Do you think it would be possible <laughs> to give trans people a largely similar experience if you are transitioning to the same gender as somebody else to have a similar experience? That's a really hard question. Um, especially because I don't know if I entirely get what you mean. <laughs> I mean, so. I mean, it's obviously very different now because there's all these different medications and insurances qualify it as a different thing, depending on the insurance company and the insurance oh, plan sure. and everything. Um, but if there was some sort of universally acknowledged way to do it, like that, that doesn't happen with like, say a knee replacement, right? Like different health insurance carriers probably charge similar amounts for similar plans, uh, mm. for like a knee replacement, but gender transition, like depending on your plan could be considered like a, like a like a like a cosmetic surgery and stuff uh that like i'm wondering if we as we sort of start to think about trans the the medical the process of medically transitioning do you think it's possible to give people a more universalized experience and would that be a good thing uh i don't i don't really know if a universalized experience is a good thing because mm-hmm. uh, per- personally in my experience i i've kind of had a really weird transition and i i feel like a lot of people kind of have the same so when i started transitioning i so just for some context i i i think i've probably talked about it before like just on twitter but i'll kind of lay my whole like trans journey out on the table so i've I've kind of known I was trans since I was about, so right now I'm 27. I've known I was trans since I was about 14 or 15. I've, I've had like weird gender thoughts. Um, but I, I didn't know what transgender was of course. Um, since I was like the age of four, I, I kind of knew I was like, it's different, you know, I, that, that was always something on my mind ever since I was like three or four. Um, so when like libs of TikTok says like, oh, there's no such thing as trans kids. I just think back to my own experience and I'm like, that, yeah, there is. <laughs> like I've known almost my entire life that something was up. Um, 
so so that that in itself is is hard to like talk about with universalizing trans experiences mm-hmm. because I knew since I was really young not everyone does some people find out when they're in their 30s um, it, it doesn't always kind of come as quickly to some people um, and and that's fine I mean I think people's transitions should be at their own pace and different you know um, and when I was I think 25 now I for a long time so I knew I was trans since I was 14. I put put that word to it, but I was always really scared to start transitioning. I never felt like I was ready. I was worried, you know, like, oh, my family isn't going to accept me. Oh, people in my life are going to isolate away from me. Um, so I, I put it off for a long time until I was 25 and started getting active on Twitter and saw a bunch of trans people where I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of normal. Like, I can be normal. I can transition and it'll, I'll be fine. Um but I didn't, because at the time I was still with my parents' insurance, I didn't really want that to go through. I I got some pills from someone I knew online. She mailed them to me just so I could start um, and see how I felt. And it was a really low dose. But basically, long story short, I, I, th- I think everyone needs to kind of go on their own journey to kind of see how they feel about it each step of the way. I I used that whole journey and then starting really small DIY to kind of see if I was okay with it. And then I eventually did go pretty quickly after actually, maybe like two months of DIY to um, get like hormones for myself at a provider. Um, so it's really hard to universalize the experience, but I'm also living in in the world that we live in now where You're right. trans healthcare and being trans is kind of stigmatized. So I was, of course, there was a lot of that self-hate um, where that that made me be scared and didn't, allow me to go be, be confident to go transition earlier. So I, I, I feel like it's really hard to answer that question because we don't live in the ideal world currently. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think right now my best answer is everyone's experience is going to be different. Um, and that's fine. I do want to say on that note really quick, I have nothing to, to add to this discussion. Um, thank you for sharing that. But what I do know is, we have a lot of uh, lovely and wonderful trans people that listen to this show. Um, and if you want to share your experience with us on that note, I think it might be appropriate to drop our mailbag information. So uh, mail at westernkabuki.com and 971-374-2265 if you want to leave us a voicemail or text about your experience. Yes. I think I think that's a great idea. I mean, I know I, I love talking about my my trans experience especially because sure i mean I, I i feel like a lot of people kind of have similar experiences being like i'm i'm nearing 30 so i think i grew up in a much different time where kids today maybe like kids and like younger like early 20s people now today kind of grew up in a time where being gay and being like bisexual or lesbian and trans was kind of just accepted in schools. Like you everyone you knew was just kind of okay with that, which wasn't really the case when I was in high school or anything like that. So I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how maybe some younger people, sure. some of their experiences, because I, I was at that like lingering period where gay marriage was just legalized. So like queer being queer was finally just being accepted in the mainstream when I was a, a, like a teen in high school. So definitely. Yeah. Share your experiences. I'm, I'm always, I love hearing about people's experiences. I love talking about my experience. I didn't go too in depth <laughs> into mine just for time's sake, but yeah, for sure. We could, I mean, we could potentially do like we're 
sort of kicking off this mini series with religious people and i said i wanted to do one with teachers as well we could do it with all sorts of groups of like groups of small groups of people that we want to speak to as far as like people you know their transition story or who want to share something interesting about it i think that could be really cool yeah we can we can talk about that um like doing that continuing that sort of idea after the show you can revisit down the line yeah yeah cool but i do really quick before you change topics i do want to just talk about (laughs) keemstar a little bit more oh yes please (laughs) future ceo of twitter keemstar yeah yeah keemstar i love this guy so i only really wanted to talk about him because i so i'm gonna this is kind of embarrassing um this is kind of an embarrassing story and something i've never really deeply in love with keemstar no i'm not (laughs) i'm not deeply in love with him thankfully i he is not my best friend thankfully but ever since so I don't know. So I feel like a lot of people's like knowledge of Keemstar started like within the last five years or so, or like five or six years when he started Drama Alert. I I have known about Keemstar since I was like 14. I used to follow his YouTube channel um, <laughs> where he would do like Halo 3 pranks, like back in 2009 and 2010. So I've okay. known about this guy for a long ass time. And I feel like I'm I'm like I feel like I'm a Keemstar historian. I have watched every single step of his journey. I was I was a fan at first, like back in the Halo 3 days, <laughs> as weird as that is to say. But watching him kind of like devolve from just doing like he would just do like pranks and he would he after he started doing that, he became like the most notorious online grifter. I mean, name any sort of like grift and he's done it. He's been involved, he's been a major part of it. Um so I, I definitely don't always trust anything he says straight away just because I know his history. I know that he's a liar and a scammer and a grifter. So I guess I'm not basically what I wanted to say is I'm not too surprised that it sounds like from what you were saying, whack that him going on the stream was kind of him revealing that it was kind of like a grift or just like jokes, like him being pro trans. Like it was kind of a bit is what you made it's- it sound like. I shouldn't have made it sound like that. Uh, it's not a bit. He actually did repeat a lot of pro-trans stuff and said that he doesn't fuck with transphobes. Uh, he oh, shit nice. Talk, he shit-talked the quartering. He said trans rights himself. He said the reason that he did the co- co- co-tweet with Keffels was because um, he knew it would trigger the quartering. And it was specifically... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of funny. It, it was specifically an attack on his sworn enemy, the quartering. And I didn't um, know there were sworn enemies. Wow. Uh, I didn't either. He was like, yeah. It's professional uh, wrestling. He called, He came out during the quarterings match with his theme song. They're beefing. Yeah. He said he's been beefing with him for years and you know, I don't know, but uh, yeah, he he said he basically did it just to troll that one guy, but he also knew that like that guy's fans and everything would be uh, pissed off about it. He um, was right, by the way. Yeah, people were really pissed off about it, but he was like, <laughs> he did double down on the. Tra- he was he did not come across as transphobic. He came across as deeply ignorant and unwilling to change, but he did not come across as transphobic. <laughs> okay, I don't, guess- don't want to say that you got to make space for ignorant dipshits, but like. Whether it's a grift or maybe he really is like, there's a couple things that you could say with this. The tweet that he made about basically how his like, you know, 20 year old girlfriend or even the guy's like 40 something now was like, hey, man, uh, you know, 
being anti-trans like sucks and you and maybe he listened finally after like it was like gonna cost him his girlfriend that's half his age um which i think is <laughs> actually legitimately fucking hilarious like yeah or maybe no. it's he just you know licked his finger and stuck it in the wind and saw where where the direction of things was going but until he proves the fact that he's like grifting and is an asshole and doesn't believe in all this stuff like i don't know i guess you just kind of have to either laugh at it support it i don't know and i and I, I, mean, I, I believe him i at, at yeah. this point I, I i believe him but i just do want to say he's still a bad dude like he's done yeah. like he said every bad thing you could say he's yeah. done horrible <laughs> shit so i'm not trying to say we we love keemstar now yeah well, I, I, I should also clarify when i make uh <laughs> keemstar stuff jokes like, i'm completely joking for context juniper i also have been uh he's also been on my radar for roughly the same time period i've known about keemstar for a long time oh so, nice yeah, yeah I, i'm completely joking like he's an imbecile but you know it, it is it a, a benefit to you know young trans kids for him to say this probably if he's actually earnest about it yeah and that's how i feel too i mean as as long as he's earnest and as long as like he's saying that to his like really kind of edgy audience like i don't really care like i think it's it's definitely a net positive in the long term so i'll accept it <laughs> yeah i just think that he's um it, like we see it happen so often with guys like uh uh louis ck and uh, Dave Chappelle, where it's like somebody who is ostensibly on the left, or at least has acceptable and good politics, uh, ends up being a total maniac, um, like through circumstances of something that happens in their career or in their life. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of nice to think that Keemstar could be the guy that goes the other direction. It's nice yeah. to think. <laughs> it just happens to be possible. hilarious that like he was gonna have pussy withheld from him by a twenty year old, and that's what I was like, oh shit, I gotta straight fly right. You know I mean? No, that that is a really funny point though. That like a lot of these cases, like Louis C.K. and all these like people, will become worse after yeah. like they get caught sexually harassing someone they're like okay i'm just gonna be a right-wing cancel culture guy now yeah but like it, it, it's kind of it, we of just don't all expect... people team star goes the other way <laughs> yeah and we just don't expect that i mean who who would have we, we no one expects someone to go the other way about an issue after they've been like really adamant and to be fair i don't know if keemstar has been specifically transphobic i was talking to someone the other day um that kind of knows about keemstar as well and they pointed out that they've been like kind of low or keemstar has been low-key like pro-trans for a couple of months now and i was like i was I, I didn't know that so apparently the dude's kind of been on a pro-trans kick for a while which is interesting to me to say the least it's for sure absolutely um well i guess we could just say we hope it sticks and we'll see yeah definitely 100 uh okay so moving on the First thing that I just want to address, because it's the thing I wrote the most about in our little doc here, and it's the thing I want to say the least about here, is the uh, the, the the police killing uh, uh, Keenan Anderson in yeah. Los Angeles. Um, and I, this is the first time this has happened since we started the show, but I think... Uh, for me, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for you too, but I am definitely tired of having this conversation of hearing this happen over and over and over again and just see the uh, right wing immediately be like he had drugs in his system he had a criminal record and yada yada but he's the cousin 
of the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, uh, Patrice Cullors. And it's like really, really, really nuts that we just have to keep doing this, that we just have to keep watching people die on camera and then making excuses for the people that killed them and then arguing with the people that do that. Um, it just feels like an endless cycle of, of uh, horrors and it, they don't even seem to uh, stop for a moment. Uh, so that is uh, something I wanted to say. Oh, the guy said when he was being uh, choked up by police, they told him to get on his stomach and he said, y'all ain't going to George Floyd me. So then they tased him. Oh, my God. That was the same guy? Because I saw yeah, I saw that. that. Wow. I didn't know that was the same dude that got actually killed by the police. Yeah, I thought so those they, were two different instances. So they tased him because uh, he wouldn't roll over. And then he had a heart attack after being tased. And then, of course, it's like, Jesus. Why didn't he comply? It's I would just comply with the police. And so my new tact is, and I and I want to recommend this to our, our listeners, and then I think, unless you guys have something more to say about this, I think we can move on from it. Um, but all I really wanted to say is that what I started doing, and I think it, were, it worked really well for my own peace and my own uh, uh, mental health, was to go into the replies of, you know, the CNN article that talks about this. And you see all the guys who are like, uh, he was on cocaine, he had a previous charge, he was driving erratically, yada, yada, yada. What I just started doing was I would just reply to all of them and say the same thing, which was, I really hope if this happens to you, people don't say you deserve to die. And then I had a lot of people be like, I had one guy be like, well, I don't drive erratically and I don't, I don't do cocaine, so it's not going to happen to me. And I said, uh, the police can kill you for any reason at any time, and they will not get in any trouble, and your family will receive nothing. So yeah. I hope that that doesn't happen to you. I mean, and they're like, there's just you, no rule you can follow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you saying that reminds me of that really uh, famous case. I forget exactly when it was, but there was the, I think he was a disabled, I think, I, I, I don't want to just guess, but he had some... Um, I think he was autistic, like really like autistic or something like that. Um, black man that was shot by the police because he wasn't listening or something. Do you guys remember this? Right. It was, yeah. yeah, he was, he was killed um, by, by the police and he wasn't doing anything necessarily wrong. He was just, he, there was some, I, I shouldn't have brought this up because I don't remember the exact case and I, I'm, I'm butchering it, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, the police will use any Regardless justification. Of- Regardless of the specific cases and the specific names and all the things you can list, it's just mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, it's about the pattern. It is not about the bad apples. It is not about mm-hmm. the specific cases. And I understand the the uh, need to celebrate these people's lives and say their names, etc. But I also think that at the end of the day, when you say they're trying to George Floyd me, what you're actually saying is... There is a consistent habit of the police to use their own standard operating procedures as cover to behave badly. Mm-hmm. And the idea that any of us are immune from that, the idea that any of us could say, well, if I did X, Y, or Z, that wouldn't happen to me is absurd. And you have <laughs> yeah. no you have no reason to think like you have no what if what if you're like the most like rootin' tootin' 
gun-toting conservative and you're uh and you have to borrow like your cousin's car and he drives a prius and now the cop that pulls you over thinks you're gay and you say it's your relative but he doesn't have your same last name and now he wants you to step out of the car but you're saying you don't want to because you haven't done anything wrong the idea that that could never happen to you is laughable <laughs> that you could just be like no nah, that ain't gonna happen to me i'll never have to borrow my cousin's car it's i like- think um a good example, if you want to, if you choose to engage with people on this level, I mean, God help you, God be with you. Um, if you do a good example, and I don't know if either of you guys remember Daniel Shaver in 2016, he, I believe it was in Texas somewhere. Uh, maybe it was, I thought it was in Las Vegas. Something. Some, it, it, but in any case, he was, he, he's a white guy. So that might change people's perceptions. Uh, not, you know, I mean, just let's just be honest for what it is. It's racism that allows a lot, a lot of this to happen. So he's a white guy. He didn't do anything wrong. The police responded to um, a response, a report that he brought a, a gun into his hotel room. He was an exterminator and it was a pellet gun. And then there ends up being this video of him in his underwear on all fours. And the cops are telling, screaming at him to like, you know, come here, lay down, do all this conflicting um, instructions. And this guy's crying begging some fucking asshole cop with a Punisher logo on his fucking gun not to kill him. He complied with everything that he reasonably could have, and they shot him anyway, and they got away with it. I mean, if anybody ever tells you that it won't happen to them, I think Daniel Shaber is a good way to show people that, you know, I mean, again, I want to be really careful because I'm not advocating for like (laughs) saying it matters less if it happens to a black person, but I really do think that, racism is the reason that a lot of this is, is continues to happen because people just don't really see this as possible to happen to somebody they know or their family members or something because it's a, a black person and they have these preconceived notions. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you follow instructions. It doesn't matter. The cops, like you said, whack can kill you and your family will get nothing and they won't even get in trouble for it. I mean, and- I, th- I, th- I think you're totally right. I mean that I, th- I think that also just shows how like, uh, a big thing like going back to like gay marriage a lot of people started to become okay with like gay people once they started to find out like oh i have a gay family member he just yeah. came out to me oh i guess gay people aren't that bad i mean a good example of that is like dick cheney he was yeah you know, the, he was surprisingly like pro gay rights way before a ton of republicans because yeah. his daughter was gay so it's for a lot of people sadly they don't they don't have empathy until they experience it firsthand. I like my whole thing with saying that to them with saying, I hope people don't say you deserve to die is I want them to realize you are saying someone deserves to die. Yeah. And so my tweet was uh, like being on cocaine, driving erratically, refusing to comply with an officer's commands. All of those, there is no crime in the U S judicial system that is punishable with by immediate random street execution so if you say he committed x y or z crime the cops could have let him go away and then just follow him back to his house once they figure out his name they don't have to have guns they don't have to be armed they don't have to uh have uh, to even have arresting power to do what they do and it's 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 really bizarre you know and just to sort of you know, put a little a, a little bit of Marxist stank on it. It's it's not even just racism. It is a it is a deeply sort of anti 
worker idea that there are people now there are people exactly like me they do the same job i do they live in the same neighborhood i do they they have the same ideas about the world that i do but for some reason or another i'm better than them um and so if they hadn't done x y or z a thing i will never do uh they would still be okay now to it it it, it is racism because it is a disregard of the racist pattern but it's also like an an anti-solidarity thing it's a way of saying that like my position as a worker is less important than my position over my neighbor uh, over looking at the people who are around me and saying i'm above them and that goes along with the daniel shaver thing of this guy was in like cargo shorts he i mean clearly not a wealthy man and he's an exterminator um, he's not raking in the bucks yeah, and he is told to crawl on the floor. He starts. Cr- he's told to crawl towards the cop. Already an absurd thing. Why not just tell him oh, to put his hands in the back of his head? I remember this case now. Yeah, this was yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah, it was in Texas. You were correct the first time. Um, and yeah, and then he gets shot by an AR-10, a custom AR-10 that the cop had, uh, where on the dust cover it said "You're fucked." That's what it was. And, I knew there was something on it. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Cops should have and, to... No, no, no. It should, I mean, it should not be a, you know... Um, Which we don't have to say it, but it just, it just fucking makes me sick. I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, like I said, this is the first time it's happened while we were making this show. <laughs> I think we're all kind of <laughs> sick of this. Yeah, let's talk about that more specifically. I uh, don't want to make it more about Daniel Shaver when a black man was the one that was killed. I only brought that up for a very specific reason. You well, know? like I said, I think it's I, I mean, I think it's about the pattern. I think it's 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 it is racism, but it's also sort of an issue deeper than racism in terms of like how this keeps happening and how we keep having to talk about this and how some people don't even seem to get tired of it. They just want to like put the black square on their Instagram every Juneteenth. And it's, it's really, really (laughs) strange. Yeah. That's, that's kind of something I wanted, I was thinking about while you guys were talking about that is it, it, it's kind of disappointing, but also it's like, what can we really do? Um, Like how the fuck do you even do? Like, what do we do? Like the energy that we felt, like I'm sure we all remember where we were, um the day that the riots broke out um the 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 george floyd riots broke out originally what was that in like minnesota um when they like scorched the the police station yeah i mean i remember that night vividly i remember so much of that night the energy was like so so raw and everyone felt it and it felt like change was coming um at least on some level like that at least on some level where it felt like we were going to fight for change and i mean now whenever it happens it's just like it just feels like i don't know there's no energy i I feel like we call all kind of know that like no matter what we do the the (laughs) the systems that be won't really be persuaded by what we have to say um as long as we're civil (laughs) and i mean even we we weren't even civil i mean some of us i i don't want to say too much but i was i was in a lot of these riots um where i live and I mean, nothing really changed. It got, it got kind of, in a lot of cases, like New York, it got worse. Funding for police got higher. So it's like, what do we, what the hell do we even do? I, I don't really know at this point. Yeah. So we're going to move on from that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on that high note. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry so, about that. Yeah. This kind of got dark good, early at the end here. So the good news is that it's mostly, it's mostly cruise control from here on out. Um, 
So either we could have an extremely dark, um, we could have an extremely dark uh, premium episode or an extremely dark main feed episode. But I, I, <laughs> I think we could save those decisions for later because I think it is time to talk about a tweet I just saw. Um, <laughs> and it is uh, from Aaron Moorhead, who is, appears to be some type of fi- film critic and lover of, of films. Uh, and he said, Jesus Christ. Skinamarink. Art House Cinema rocked a sold-out crowd last night. Tests and rewards patience. There is absolutely nothing like it. That was a long walk home to my now terrifyingly dark and silent apartment. To the director, you're a master of liminal spaces. Jennifer, would you agree <laughs> with that review of Skinamarink? So I know, I know you and I both saw Skinamarink, and and Caleb. I didn't end up getting to see it, unfortunately. And that that's fine. I feel like so, so whack. I know, <laughs> I know you really do not like Skinamarink. No, no, it um, made me mad. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's funny. So I th- I texted you guys. I think that I saw it. Uh, just yesterday and when i when i saw it i was like really kind of iffy on it and i'm still kind of iffy on that movie but i i feel like so that review i i'm kind of confused where a lot of people that are like really highly praising it are coming from because as i did kind of enjoy the film there was large portions of it where i was just kind of bored I don't know. Do, do you kind of feel the same? Like it was just kind of boring a lot of the time. Like it was deeply unsettling and I was scared at several points for just like an extended period of time. But a lot of the time I was just like, can, can we hurry it up here? Can we move along? Like <laughs> that's so, how I felt. My theater experience was um, really, uh, really hindered by the fact that the uh, power went out while I was in the movie theater. Um, and so it was really interesting to see it on the uh to see it in the theater because these sort of distortions and the pops and hisses of like a cam a vhs camcorder come across a lot better on like a big screen like that yeah Um, yeah so i had to finish it online when i got home (laughs) holy shit really (laughs) That's what I ended up doing because my wife was like, I can't sit through this film anymore. Nothing is happening. <laughs> so and... actually, before we get too deep into it, I, I do want to just say one thing. And then we should try to like explain it to to the people listening and Caleb, just so they kind of have some sort of context. Like we should try to explain what this movie is. But I do Good just want to say, yeah, it's going to be hard to explain. But I, I do just want to also say that my theater experience was kind of weird as well. Like for some reason, I don't know why the last 10 minutes, the lights in the theater went on. So like, you know, at the, the, the climax of the film, like all the lights oh. were on. No one really said anything. Like we were all just kind of sitting there looking around like, why, why are the lights on? Like, is the movie about to finish? <laughs> and like some of the scariest stuff in the film is happening. And we're just kind of all sitting there like, why can we, <laughs> what's with the lights? Um yeah. But then after after the film finished, there were like three people in the audience that were like, oh, that's it. <laughs> like my, <laughs> my my crowd that I was with did not enjoy the film. Overall, it was like, a, ooh, that was a weird movie like that. They did not enjoy it. But I, I think we should try to explain what this film is as best as we can. So Caleb and the audience kind of knows what this is. <laughs> I'm still going to see it, so don't spoil it. But I'm also surprised to hear you say that it felt like it dragged because 
It's just over 90 minutes, and 90 minutes is the perfect runtime for a movie. And I would normally agree, but I honestly, I feel like for this type of movie, and we'll kind of explain why it feels like this, and I, I think, Wack, you kind of agree, it would be a much better film if it was just 60 minutes. It would be a much better film if it was 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, you say don't spoil it. I told you uh, the other day that the thing about the movie is you should watch the trailer and just know that the trailer is basically what the movie is like you're not going to watch the trailer and be like oh damn something really crazy must happen here like all they're showing you is walls and a scary voice and it's like yeah yeah that's pretty much gonna be <laughs> it for you. um it, it like you know it's hard to talk about this movie because like it's hard to like I don't want to be too hard on it because I, I really do think it was an interesting film and I, I feel like I'm I'm a lot lighter on it because the person who made the film died before they put it out. So and he was yeah, a young that's, kid. So that's lot, the thing, yeah. Is that I don't want to be too too mean to it because the person who made it died. They used two real child actors, like a three year old and a seven year old, and they are the only actors in the film, basically. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think that this movie, like, I didn't want to punch down. I didn't want to be mean to it. I didn't want to say, like, oh, this, like, sucks. I was just mad. I think that's why I was mad, because I didn't feel right saying this movie sucks. But it's also, like, nothing fucking <laughs> happens in it. And I, I, I'm happy that an independent horror film made on a budget of $15,000 is able to do so well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That that was. But I, I mean, really reg- didn't like this one. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that that's the thing is there was a lot of really cool shots. I really loved like a lot of the the like TV shots. Like there was a lot of really cool. Without saying too much, there's a lot of cool like parallels kind of shown with like old TV shows, like old animate uh, animated TV shows, and like with things happening in the movie and and there's like some neat lego shots that i i personally liked but yeah it's it's hard to i don't know i i feel like this is a movie i'm gonna think about for like a week and i'll be like oh you know maybe it's not as bad as i thought and i i don't really think it's bad necessarily it's just a weird film because you're right a lot nothing really happens in it um and it could have easily been like a 30 minute short (laughs) <laughs> like and it would have been the same movie kind of yeah um but i i think i think at the end of the day i i, I what i keep going back to thinking about with this movie is i wish the person who who created it and thought of it didn't pass away at the age of like 19 or 20 because it's really clear that he has a love for like film and like kind of an eye for horror because there was some like pretty scary themes and horror elements in the movie um i mean the notion you know being a little kid trapped in your own house without your parents is a pretty scary idea and a very a a very interesting one but did not like the execution i gotta say i'm sorry (laughs) yeah i just i wish we lived in a timeline where he the 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 creator didn't pass away and he got the money from this film that he would have gotten from this release and he could have made a much grander a lot more interesting maybe more ambitious project with his mind because he it's pretty clear to me that he's he's a pretty he was a pretty like he has an eye for horror i mean he he knows exactly what's scary and how to to shoot it and i think the the um 
shooting it on like the old um film what what was that called you said it earlier it was like old old film camera i i'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to a lot of the oh lot like of this just a vhs like camcorder yeah it was like it was shot on a camcorder and and i think a lot of those like lingering shots that are just looking at the wall you kind of I, I don't know if you know what i'm talking about but did you kind of see like a swirling effect it was kind of like hypnotic i saw a lot of, of shots. i saw a lot of different things like that i saw that I, you could see shadows move and stuff it was hard to tell if it was yeah, intentional and, or not and some of that was like, even if it wasn't even intentional, I thought that was a really neat effect to shoot it in that way. Yeah. So I, I just wish we would have lived in a, in a timeline where we could have seen this guy's mind put to like I a bigger project. Got to interject really quick. Uh, the director and creator of this movie is very much alive. No, 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 it's one of the guys. It's like a producer. Somebody did die making it. Uh, oh, shit. I oh, thought okay. it was the guy who made it. It was like an was executive it producer? producer or a producer or something. It was a it was a person who was very important in the making of it, and he was like this was like a film school project. He was very young. Got yeah, it, it was okay. like I think his name was like Joshua yeah. something. I can't remember his last name sadly, but I'm not sure either. I, I it's hard to it's hard to recommend the movie unless you're really patient. I feel like so, Caleb. I don't know if you have like insane patience, but I would recommend seeing it if you have like the most like the the biggest patience ever i've watched a <laughs> lot of really shitty horror movies i'm sure I'll yeah okay <laughs> all right so you know i mean it's, it's i think it's an interesting on our end <laughs> yeah i think at the end of the day it's interesting but i don't know if it's going to be a movie that people remember in a couple of months sadly yeah, it keeps getting compared to Blair Witch and those kind of like breakout things. But the people who made Blair Witch weren't like breakout <sighs> stars either, so I don't know. And and I wouldn't really compare it to Blair Witch. I don't really know if it's going to have the impact that Blair Witch had. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um. So, do we want to talk about? I have. Are you guys? Have you guys looked at? I see one of you is looking at the doc. Um, yeah, I've got it open. Yeah. What do we think? Do we think? Uh, do we think? Uh, we don't have to talk about Brian Cox coming out as a transphobe today. That sucked, though. I didn't even see that. I'll be honest. He is um, like we could J.K. Rowling. Really quick, uh, wrap this episode as the main one, and then do do it uh, an exit, and then start a separate recording for the premium if you guys. Want yeah. So a lot of this. Me. So yeah, let's do exactly that. Uh, there is some other stuff we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about the gas stoves and the feminist M and M's, but it's just so stupid. Uh, that it is difficult to uh, continue with. We are also going to talk about that Mormon guy who killed his whole family. But let's not do any more sad stuff. Let's do this for the premium episode. So if you want to hear what we're about to do, you can subscribe to the premium episode. Um, and what we will be talking about there is our upcoming uh, predictions for um, uh, 2023 bingo. I made a bingo card. I can share it with both of you. <laughs> Uh, Sounds good. that template today. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do um, it. So I will. Um, can you send attachments on Twitter? Like in DMs? I'm not too sure. Uh, okay. Depends on what it is. Um, can you guys put your emails, and I will send you like the template. I'll put it in the drive. Put it in the drive. Put it in the drive. Um, in the birdie whack one. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, upload files. So this is just going to be an image file. I used Canva to make it, so you can upload your own on Canva if you so desire, or if you want to make your own or whatever. Um, but it is in there now. It should be available to you in just a moment. So really quick, before we move on to that, should we do like an end? Yeah, like, yeah, we will. Sorry, so I, just, like, I, little... I just wanted to. Oh, yeah. good. So what we are you're going totally to do good. on the, uh, please subscribe to our uh, Patreon. Um, what we're going to do on there is we're going to do our 2023 bingo, and we are going to finish the um, bracket if we have time. And if we don't, we will do it later. But uh, we're going to make some predictions <laughs> for 2023. We're going to talk about my predictions. Um, and if you want to see what those are without paying me money, you can go to at Wack Nicholson on Twitter. I have already posted my 2023 bingo card. What else do we have to plug, my dearest friends? Uh, I already did the mailbag stuff earlier, so yeah, reach out. Do the mailbag. Mail at westernkabuki.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text us at 971-374-2265. And follow Perfect. And then follow I think just follow us on Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty much what all I'm at, at, at Juniper with the lowercase l. All right. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. See ya.